0: All right, welcome to the Tom Ward Show, where we talk to the biggest creators in the world. And we have kind of a creator. You're a writer. You create things. We're with Taylor Lorenz. She's a New York Times writer covering tech and culture and online creators. She was a night-visiting Neiman Fellow at Harvard University, where she focused on Instagram and news consumption. And she's appeared on just about every big show talking about internet culture. Welcome, Taylor. (laughs)
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Did you ever think you'd be at Harvard talking about Instagram?
1: No, <laughs> I was a terrible student. So it's ironic that I was at Harvard talking about anything.
0: <laughs> what, what was the deal there? Were you just like teaching kids about students about social?
1: I was actually researching. Um, so I was doing a research project around Instagram and news. This was back, you know, a couple years ago before people were really thinking of Instagram as a news platform. And um, this fellowship that I did, basically, um, it's sort of a, a fellowship for journalists to kind of like do research projects related to innovation and in media. So, uh, mm-hmm. it was fun. I actually did it the fall semester, like right before, like I snuck in cause I, the people that were there that spring I, some of them got screwed by COVID. So I feel really lucky that
0: Oh, nice! On campus. <laughs> <So> we've been <laughs> yeah. friends on Twitter for a while. We DM like occasionally. I love your stories. I'm always, I'm always reading. Oh, like thanks. I know you were at the Atlantic before, but how long have you been in this, world of this creator weird world.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm old. Um so I started old. in 2000. Old. <laughs> Well, I started in 2009. Um I worked in social strategy. I was always writing on the side mostly, but until 2017 I was like a social media director. So I was running social campaigns for brands. I flipped some Instagram accounts. I was a Tumblr creator, so I was pretty popular on like this sort of niche community in Tumblr, um, back in, that was in 2009, 2010. Um, I was like an NYC Instagrammer for a minute. Um, but throughout all that time, I was always writing about internet stuff. Um, I felt like people didn't take internet culture seriously. Even today, they don't take it seriously. (laughs) And I think
0: now, I mean, shit, you, the New York times covers it daily. I mean, you
1: don't think it's getting the
0: credit deserves it?
1: I think it's actually just this year. I'm sure you noticed too, Tom, just in the past year, there's been such a sea change. I mean, case in point, I went from like the style section to the business section, which is one of the core news sections of the New York Times. I think finally, as a recognition of the fact that like this is big business and this is like actually really impactful, it's not just like, oh, look at these funny teenagers, you know, doing something over there.
0: Well, shit, you look at Business Insider and I'm too cheap, so I never get to read their articles because I won't I'm cough off $12 a month to read them. But they got a whole department and they cover it great. I mean, they have.
1: They flooded know, the zone. They, I they like, I cannot not compete with them because they have like 15 reporters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, people real. are
0: devoting resources to this, which is good to see finally.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I was at Business Insider, and I remember um, fighting with them to let me write about Vine and King Batch, which was in 2013. And um, it's just like incredible to see how far it's come. I mean, BI is an organization that really embraced this beat and um, invested in it, and it shows. Like they've broken some of the biggest stories in the past year. So, They're shout doing out. a
0: killer job. Yeah, I got to give my hats off to those guys. <laughs> so, like I, you know, I saw a tweet. I read somewhere, and I'm probably misquoting you, and I'm sure you'll correct me. But basically, (laughs) it said like, "I'm tired of interviewing YouTubers," or something to that effect, or maybe it was TikTokers. Like, "I'm tired of fucking interviewing TikTokers," and I think the point was someone was kind of trolling you on Twitter. You know, you you were outspoken about something, and and they're like, you know, go. You know, go talk to creators, and you're like, no, no, I got another voice. I, I'm tired of talking about creators. I mean,
1: I've, stuff. I've interviewed like, I mean, legitimately hundreds and hundreds of people, probably thousands over the years. I mean, I've been doing it for over a decade. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's great to interview talent and creators, and I interview a lot of business people. I mean, a lot of my stories are, are kind of like culture stories yeah. more broadly, um, and but yeah i i don't know what i'm always fighting with someone on twitter i'm off twitter right now but I'm, i feel like that's what twitter is for you know talking a little shit like getting into a
0: little trauma you're always and i feel i i forget what it was but it was like i forget what you're coming out about it was something about a women woman journalist i don't even remember what it was that you're commenting on
1: yeah and- i mean i outspoken not to interrupt about a lot Um, of like women journalists get a lot of shit online. And, um, you know, I definitely have a chip on my shoulder about my beat and I'm sure, I don't know if you feel this way too, Tom, but, um, you know, for the vast majority of my career, like people really dismissed, um, my beat and even now dismiss my beat as not real tech coverage or not real reporting. And, um, I just, I feel so strongly, um, that it's, that it's important to like acknowledge this industry and take it seriously and report on it in a thoughtful way. So it
0: it was kind of, I just started writing about it four years ago and then I started doing YouTube and interviewing all these guys and it was a joke. It was a joke four years ago and you've been doing it a lot longer than I have, but Mm -hmm. I remember my first interview was with Jake Paul and I just fell into it. I was interviewing Kate Hudson and the PR guy liked the story so he's like, hey, you should check out my other client, Jake Paul. I go, who the fuck is Jake Paul? And he goes, oh, Brooks? he's a youth
1: I wonder which you- He's had like so many PR people over the years.
0: You know what? I should... Because he's starting on something and I don't even... Brooke. Brooke something. <laughs> yeah. Or Brooks. I don't know.
1: There was... Yeah. I just remember Brooks because I was covering... I think it was about four years ago when Jake had his pop-up shop, which was the same day as SantaCon in New York City. Oh, So wow. all of like, you know, Murray Hill in Manhattan was overrun with Jake Paul fans and drunk people dressed as Santa Claus, like frat bread. I was like, this combination is crazy. And poor Brooks had to run around after Jake that whole day.
0: Well, just look at him, how things have changed in shit four yeah. years. Right. So when I I interviewed him at the team 10 house, the old team 10 house with all the craziness out front and that oh, was an yeah. experience. But then you look now at what he's making and kind of changing boxing. I mean, I'm a boxing fan, but so I don't know if I say, come on, fight a real boxer. I mean, that was what I'd say as a fan, but he's doing, it's great for the sport though. He's bringing young people who would never have watched. They'd be watching UFC. They brought, he brought them over to boxing and is making him and Logan are making a shitload of money doing it. What do you think of kind of just take Jake? I mean, how he's changed over.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think that Jake has evolved very much over the years. Unfortunately, I think Logan has really matured and, is a really thoughtful, like introspective person, at least my perception of him. Uh, Jake, I don't know, you know, he's definitely still the kid brother, but I think the whole YouTuber boxing stuff is so fascinating to me. Like, I do Mm -hmm. think that the way that they've transformed that sport and breathed life into it is, is obviously like you know, an incredible case study and sort of like the power of these influencers um, and and that we should cover them with the same scrutiny, by the way, that we cover big athletes, you know, um, and, and and whether that's about their career or business or whatever, you know.
0: You know, you're 100% right. I interviewed the LiveX Live CEO. I forget his name. I'm fucking horrible. But anyway, <laughs> it, I was fascinated by the Austin McBroom social yes. gloves thing. I interviewed him and then it got picked up by a whole bunch of people and that always makes me feel good. But it's like, cause it was, it's so fascinating. Like is Austin really this bad a guy? Like maybe he is like, what did he know? It, just the, the contracts and lack of contracts. It's like, dra- I mean, it's so much drama. It's so entertaining.
1: It's so much drama. And I think like, you know, rarely is a person all good or bad, but people definitely get sucked into different scams or you know, suddenly they're in too deep or they are like petty, crazy (laughs) assholes. I mean, I don't know if I can curse on this show, but, you you know, some people get really sucked up in the fame and the hype and, you know, end up screwing over their friends. So it's, yeah, it's it's just fascinating to watch all of it
0: go down. You know, you've... um... And what I like about you too, there's no fluff pieces coming out of Taylor. You know, you're not afraid to go after somebody if they have it coming, like not unwarranted, but- I like, did enough you know. of
1: those in the early 2010s. <laughs> What's that? I said, I did enough of those in the early 2010s. Now I'm like,
0: But all right. <laughs> I love, you know, one of the questions is, has it ever felt good where you're like, this person's a piece of shit. I can't wait till this posts. you know, like no. they're just- awful without naming names but have you ever had that feeling like when you're done investigating
1: i've definitely interviewed people that i've known were awful or written about people that are just like vile human beings um (laughs) really horrible people um i mean a lot of what i write about too is like online extremism and just people that are out there to ruin people's lives um but it's it's stressful i don't like love those articles like i think you have to balance that i have other colleagues that like in the industry that just sort of like only write those stories about all the toxic stuff on the internet. And my goal is to sort of help people understand the world around them and and all of the impacts of technology. I'm very optimistic about technology myself. So even if there's like an, it's like, yeah, some of my stories are negative, but it's about sort of calling out the bad stuff so that we can build a better system, you know, um, I, I try not to write those stories about like taking down someone just to like take down someone, because I don't know, I've been the subject of, of unfair news articles and it sucks. You know, I think the most important thing is to always be fair. Um, and yeah. And also a lot of people can be really shitty when they're 18 and be totally fine when they're 24, you know, 100%. like I think that's something that gets missed a lot today is just like allowing people room for growth and evolution. Um, Because I covered a lot of, you know, early generation YouTubers and Vine people and people that were really insane or toxic or just like reckless, right? When you're young or even when you're 28, maybe you just grow older, you start a family or something, you become a normal person. And so.
0: Yeah, I can echo that your comments on Logan. I interviewed him like, a year and a half ago, maybe. And it was, first of all, the Impulsive podcast. Shout out to him. He has a great show. He has yeah. people from all, It's kind of like a Joe Rogan kind of thing where you'll he'll have like, you know, a big guest that you know, and then he'll have some weird scientist or something. You're like, oh, wait, this is an, actually an interesting conversation. But I thought the same thing. At 18, I would have probably hated meeting him. But at 24 or 25, whatever he was at the time, it's like, wait, this is a pretty interesting guy who's lived a little, who's, you know, who's learned, who's been kicked around a little bit. So it kind of makes you root for him a little bit without hating him as much.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like, there's some quote that's like, anyone that would want to hang out with their 18 year old self is like, not someone that you'd want to hang out with as an adult. And I totally, I feel that way a lot. I don't even want to, I don't know what I was like at 18. I was not doing YouTube, but you grow as a person.
0: So, Speaking of growth, this is a great, this is this is a great segue, Taylor. You're seeing it happen right before your eyes. So speaking of growth, TikTok just announced they have a billion monthly active users, which blew my mind. And you beat me by like a month and I was pissed at Hype House a couple of years ago. You were right there and I was in right, like right after you. And so you were there at the beginning of like when it really popped off, like Pre pandemic, like that year when TikTok just exploded. So you've been covering since the beginning. What difference do you see then, kind of versus now, just business wise, content wise? What's going on?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because I was looking back, my first article, I wrote right. I mean, I've been, I wrote about Musically and then I wrote about TikTok as soon as it launched and covered it extensively in 2019. But like you said, there wasn't this like sort of cohesion. It hadn't really infiltrated culture yet in the same way. It was still viewed as cringy or niche or whatever, even though it was clearly becoming a behemoth. I mean, also just keep in mind, ByteDance in 2019 alone spent over a billion dollars in marketing. So like I feel like people just like are like, TikTok came out of nowhere. And it's like, well, it's backed by a multi-billion dollar Chinese tech conglomerate that also put a lot of money to get it where it is. Um, but the Hype House was such an inflection point. I, I feel like it... It, it, it kind of was like this moment where like it just broke through into like pop culture in a way that like all of those other content houses frankly didn't. Like even Jake Paul, Team 10, it just didn't, the O12 mansion, it just didn't. And I think that sort of speaks to Gen Z as well, like how, um, intertwined like online fame is with like traditional fame, I guess you could say. Like there was no sort of barrier. People were fascinated with this on the internet and it became a thing. Then obviously we had the pandemic, which just sort of like poured gasoline on the fire and um, that whole ecosystem. I I mean, that the Timehouse showed TikTok's ability to like really mint its own stars overnight because that's what, like that whole thing blew up.
0: 100%. And now you see Addison Ray on The Tonight Show.
1: Yeah, she's a hustler. She was like, when we did that Hype House story, actually, she was the one that uh, my, I was talking to the photographer and the photographer assistant. And we were like, oh my God, like she's, I've never seen someone in LA where I was like, that person is really going to be famous, but she was so um, on point. And I was like, I feel like she's going to, be successful because you know how it is. Sometimes influencers are like, nah, like, yeah. I'm not really media trained. Like, I don't even think she had media training, but she was so on top of it. Um, our photographer loved her. Like, everyone at the New York Times was like, "Wow, she's great!" And so you could just see how she, yeah, would have a path.
0: And it is wild, and it seems like they became mainstream celebs. Where a lot of the forget the Vine people definitely didn't. A lot of those YouTubers never kind of broke through. Like the TikTokers did. I think a lot more people know Charlie and Addison now that it seems like they know who David Dobrik is. It just Definitely. seems. Definitely. I it's don't know why crazy. that is, though. I mean,
1: I think it's because there was still that separation in media until recently. Like, I mean, I think the past couple of years, like media has gotten so much more distributed and these platforms have more and more power. And so that's where consumers are turning to. So, like, anyone that's popular on these platforms or on the internet is just more powerful than when the internet was smaller.
0: Um, it's great. What do you think of them now? Like the business side, right? So yeah. you've seen it with TikTokers. I, they were the first, I really saw it where it's like, okay, they're savvy. You know, these TikTokers aren't dumb. I know I, I defend kind of the industry too. It's like, Tom, why are you talking to these fucking dumbass kids? It's like, actually they're a lot smarter than you think they are, you know, cause they spotted real quickly. It's like, okay, here's $10,000, go post this bang energy drink um, de- you know, spot on Instagram. And they took that money and then real quickly they go, fuck that. <laughs> I want to promote my own energy drink. And yeah. then they make their own energy drink. Or like I don't want to do those half-assed deals. Like I love a Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. So let's go get a Dunkin' Donuts thing. And I can integrate that and do some crazy shit with it. And now you see them, like I just read – I never look at notes, but I wouldn't remember this. the um, the Mr. Beast deal. Did you see that? Which one? He just did. Oh, here it is. The banking app aimed at teens. Um, oh, carrot. Yeah, and his yeah. it went. The video went number one on the trending page. He got 13 million views in less than 24 hours. Of course, he's Mr. Beast, so he's giving That That's not right for
1: Mr. Beast. <laughs> Everything what's, he does is like what's that? I just said that sounds about right for Mr. Beast because like everything he does is like top of the platform,
0: but he owns a piece of that. He's no dummy.
1: No, I mean absolutely not. I mean, I think all of these. That that's another sort of trend. I think with this, this is the first generation that grew up sort of like immersed in the online creator world. Like I myself am a millennial, and like these <laughs> these paths were like being blazed. You know, in the early 2010s, like there was no path. Say you wanted to start a, a company or launch a product, it was the barrier was so high. I mean, we didn't even have like Shopify stores the way that we have today, you know, for merch or whatever. So it's just, it's finally like the infrastructure is starting to be there. Um, the tech money is coming in, like there wasn't this money, the budgets weren't at this place. I was talking to a YouTuber actually that did the first big deal with CoverGirl back in 2013 or 14. Um, and even then it was such a big deal that she was had like in-person meet and greets in a print campaign along with digital, because they always viewed, oh, digital people, you just do digital, you know, you're not you're not like our main people. So it's totally, it's totally changed. And I think the tech landscape has changed. And I also think the pandemic like really accelerated a lot of these changes we've been seeing for years.
0: What investments do you see kind of coming from the tech side? It seemed like there was a lot of investments from tech in the, the influencer world last year, the platforms, <laughs> all kinds of shit. <laughs> like go into detail. Cause I don't know much kind of about that. I'm sure you do.
1: I, I love it. I they they're like running around like chickens with their heads cut off right now. Money. They don't, it's like these the tech people, especially the platforms, shun aside from YouTube, like shun creators, but even YouTube shunned creators for years. And um, TikTok was the first platform that really, I mean, like embraced them from the start and like showed these tech industry, no. You know, they always say, oh, influencers, that's a niche class, or they never, the t- there was all this tension between the platforms because the platforms always hated that creators had outsized power on their platforms. They wanted to control distribution advertising, and they always viewed them as like this niche class of people. Now they're recognizing the value and they're like, wait, 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 oh, we're a pro creator. We're, oh, now we have a creator fund. And then all these VCs who literally for years and years and years and years were so dismissive, um, I think have finally in the past six, seven months, like same thing, noticed like, wait a minute, there's actually a lot of money here. These LA people are making tons of money. I think they noticed, like, you know, the big agencies, a lot of the like sort of more Hollywood types of people getting involved. And so as always, the VCs are like late to the game, but they come with big pockets. So they're just kind of investing in every um startup and
0: Titus. And now, now, I mean, you look at Josh Richards, and these kids have their own VC funds.
1: Yeah. Well, let's not forget Jake Paul's <laughs> failed VC funds. Oh, did
0: he really have one? I didn't know. Oh that. God.
1: PGZ capital. Oh my God. I'm, <laughs> I'm really dating myself, but yeah, I mean a bunch of, I mean, Creators have done angel investing for years. Um, and a bunch of other creators have tried to get into VC and, and do their own funds or, or become venture capitalists. And it's never taken hold because the VC industry has, has been, has shunned them. It's only in the past year would a VC firm even hire a TikToker like Josh. So it, it's just like, it is, it is interesting, um, to watch that flip, but, but it's a smart, I mean, it's obviously a smart thing for them to do. They're desperate for relevance
0: and then you've got the angel investing too like i interviewed 24k golden and a couple of weeks ago when we were just talking he's like now you ask like one of the topics when you're talking to one of these guys is like hey any recent investments and they'll and with him you know he's got this product and he's got this and he's invested in this it's pretty wild you know what these kids are into
1: yeah, and I think it's just like the barrier for investment is is changed. Like the whole investment Ooh. structure on startups has also changed so much. You also see a lot of people getting into like crypto, NFTs, or like oh day trading God. type stuff. Like the barrier to entry on the whole like stock market and investing world is is lower, which I think has has created all of this opportunity. Um, and and it's going to keep it more decentralized in that way. I think too.
0: Now have you exposed any fake financial gurus because I see these people on TikTok all day as I scroll through and they're on YouTube with ads in front of the video I want to watch and it's NFTs and this crypto you've never heard of that you should it's going to blow up and you should invest all your money in are, they're out there. I mean, have you done any stories on that? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I've written a little bit about it. I, um, I did write about baller busters, which was one of my favorite Instagram accounts, That I don't know if you ever followed it in its heyday. Oh my God. It would just put all of these like people on blast. And <laughs> it was like a tea account kind of, that just like, it really exposed. It would, expo- there was, a, they called out all these like fake entrepreneurs and found the Airbnb listing that they rented for the night. Nice. It, a, it just like, Oh, it was so good. Pull, pulled all the receipts. Um, But the crypto stuff, I haven't, I've been on book leave. I wrote a little bit about like some of the NFT stuff and, but, and the, some of the crypto scam stuff, I mean, a little bit, but not as much because I went on book leave and I feel like in the past two months is like really when the, that stuff has like been bubbly. And so I haven't covered. but I do send a lot. There's this kid, Andrew Wang, who is a great journalist. He's like, Oh yeah, I know Andrew. Yeah he's so great. He's always up with the NFT world. So I follow him. He's always, he, you know, he always knows about the
0: latest scam. Have you gotten into NFTs at all? I I still, you know, I don't, I'm trying to wrap my head around it still. It seems like I'm missing the boat. Like, have you we gotten involved with any?
1: Um, I went to art school and I
0: wanted to be an artist for
1: so long growing up. And I, it's funny. Cause I'm still like, connected with a bunch of artists from that time from when we went to like art camp together and then art school and um some of them are really into nfts now but none of them have made a lot of money off it and i think it's very you have to like build a community it can't just be like here i'm putting up this jpeg for sale like you're basically buying into this like project so it is kind of like a social networking type of thing um but no i'm not into any i don't have any investments in anything one because I can't because I work at the New York times and we oh, have all these yeah, around it. Sure. But two, I don't even know, you know, it's not like I can't buy an NFT. It's just like, I don't even know. I, I don't have money to
0: spend on that
1: at all. I got you a favorite.
0: Have you heard of this app um, versus have you heard of this?
1: Wait, that sounds so familiar. I don't think so though. What is it? I
0: am obsessed with it right now. You should check it out. Yeah. So I interviewed the CEO like three weeks ago and he gave me an invite. So basically it just blew my mind. So this the only invited people can post a poll and the polls are things like it's got to have yeah. like a specific end date, like will Ethereum or Bitcoin be 46,000 on November 1st? So you've heard yeah. of
1: this? Yeah. Yeah. It's a polling app, right? It's, it's like a polling app, yeah. but you can it's, bet up
0: to a hundred bucks on it.
1: Yes. I... I saw this um, because I wrote a little bit about polling apps. And, and I was when I was doing social strategy, I launched an account on Wishbone, which had no betting component. But I don't know if you remember, it was a sort of VC-backed voting app that a bunch of influencers were on in like 2014. Um, and it's so crazy. And I, the, the whole like betting and the money that's getting tied up in gaming through NFTs is like slightly terrifying. I did write a lot about like the YouTuber sort of like betting scam stuff over the years. And I worry about that with children uh, because they will just bet. Like, I don't think you're necessarily the most responsible person with your money when you're young. And a lot of kids are entering into the financial system at a younger, younger age now. So I don't know what the if there's an age limit on versus, but it is cool. I mean, I think there's something to that concept of like putting your money.
0: You know, if you're making... Off stupid money doing this. And even so I posted one. I made a thousand dollars on a poll yesterday and I'm looking, I'm going, who the fuck? And you you could see the breakdown. You see, you bet up to hundred. So you see how many people bet $20, how many people, hundred. And I'm like, who in the right mind <laughs> would bet a hundred dollars on these nonsense polls? It's well, people crazy.
1: do. Every, I feel like a huge part of my job is just like interviewing all these people that are making money in all these insane ways where I'm just like, why am I not doing this? <laughs> yes, for real. So uh should have started that app.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're killing it. So yeah. how's the book coming? Tell me about the uh, book.
1: It's good. It's so hard to write a book. I, I was like, oh, people like the dumbest people write books. How hard can it that's be? And I'm like, oh, it's actually really hard. <laughs> yeah, well, what I found out, Tom, is that most of those people have ghost writers. They don't even do the writing themselves. That's true.
0: That's, that's the way to do it.
1: <laughs> I'm like, oh, all these celebrities do it. And I'm like, oh, no, none of them write their own things. <laughs> So as a journalist, I do have to write my own book, but, um, it's good. It's fine. I, um, I'm a little fine. Don't get
0: too excited or sell it too hard. (laughs)
1: It's going to be great. great. I I have to like, um, you know, it's, I don't like talking about or hyping anything before it's done. And can't be like that in a book so you really have to like hype you it have up to promote like, it, yeah yeah and promote and so i'm just like i'm like well, oh, it's good it's good and, and i i'm sure my editor's like no taylor say yeah. <laughs> but i have to finish it i i'm working on writing i got derailed the past couple of weeks but i this week i'm like all right so far so good so i'm right. writing about fine currently
0: so tell like, what's it about? What's...
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I know. I should just describe it. It's basically yeah. about the rise of the whole online creator industry. So how did we get to where we are and sort of how that industry has impacted, like, Gen Z and our whole notions of social. Um, it's So it's about sort of like from 2008, 2009 to now, um, the emergence of basically people building audiences on these different platforms and how these tech platforms have evolved from the earliest YouTubers to Viners to Instagram stars, to, you know, these multi-platform talented people that we have today that are building, you know, multi-million dollar businesses. Um, and so it's about how the industry evolved and the ups and downs, and then also highlighting some interesting creators along the way.
0: Oh, that's super interesting. Do you, like, what are your thoughts? I mean, you've been covering this since the beginning, like, where is this all headed? You know, where <laughs> are creators going to be in two years from now? Like, there'll always be new platforms, but like, where yeah. will the creator be?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I mean, I do think that we're we are like the I mean most of what I like I think of myself also as much as of a media reporter, as like a tech reporter, because I do think that like the media ecosystem is just getting more and more like personality driven because of the influence of these platforms. Um, And so you even see that in the journalism industry, right? Where like you have these star writers that are driving like significant amount of subscription revenue or whatever. Um, So I think it's just going to become more pronounced. And then I think with all the crypto stuff, like that's the stuff that really interests me right now is just like these communities and sort of that version of the internet and like, what will that look like? Like what will these next sort of like web three platforms look like and how will ownership or profit be distributed? Because I do think the defining narrative or like thing in the creator world so far is like these tech platforms have really exploited and fucked over like creator generations of creators after creators and so finally like i think these gen z creators like you're mentioning are just way more savvy about that and they're like uh no uh (laughs) you know i'm gonna I'm not going to like rely on you for all my distribution or rely on you to monetize. That said, as people move away from this ad model, I do think that there's less like oversight from the platforms. Like the platforms, one thing that they had was demonetization as sort of this like threat, and which would keep these YouTubers in check, right? And and that's true across all platforms, is like your distribution and monetization is like controlled by the platform. When you take that away um, and you allow people to build platforms like on more on things like Substack or these new platforms that allow more direct relationships with consumers. Um, it's just, there's less guardrails. And so I think we're already seeing more extreme forms of content, more reckless behavior, more scams. So it'll be interesting also to see, you know, whether the industry is regulated at all. There's like so much like exploitation of labor in the creator world. Like, you know, people will work like 17 hours a day. You know, it's like producing and producing for these platforms that, that don't give them any sense of security, so.
0: And not only that, like the the editors who take get, get taken advantage of oh, or the exactly. camera people get fucked because, and you know, that's kids' number one dream is to become a creator now, right? A YouTuber a creator whatever that means. And they'll do anything and work for slave wages to get there. So you're right. And what I hate seeing is when creators do that, take advantage. And, you know, an Instagram girl who's got 10 million followers who didn't pay her camera guy or didn't tag them, you know, like, like little things like that. It's like, guys, come on. There's enough to go around. Come on.
1: I mean, there's a lot. And I think, you know, to not to give them the benefit of the doubt but a little bit you know sometimes people like it is it is really hard for a lot of creators because they go from these individual people to suddenly having to scale a business of sometimes dozens of people like overnight and they're not good managers they're just not a lot of a lot of what makes you good as a creative I and mean, you see this in startup founders all the time right like what makes you good at like developing a product is not like so I think that like, we need more structure. We need more business people that can come in and come in at the mid-level and like streamline things. Um, I think like Reed and other people have done that really successfully for Mr. Beast. And he does a great um, job. Yeah. Like just streamlining it. Like, and, um, and I think, you know, we'll see hopefully like more people like that, that can come in and have experience building these businesses, like maybe across
0: Who do you, who will that person be? Do you think it'll become more from agencies or like, where do you think that person comes from?
1: I think, I mean, there's a lot of like business school people now that are, that that's what they want to do. It's so funny. Like I really, in the past year, I think since the tech people have gotten involved, like, I keep hearing from all these like Stanford business school students or like 25 year olds. Like I worked in consulting for two years, but I'm really into the creator economy. And I'm (laughs) like, what? (laughs) Like this is not like an industry that would have attracted someone like that. I think three or four years ago. So, you know, whether it's some recent business, I mean, I think of it very analogous to startups, right? Like, Usually when a startup sales, sometimes you get some, yeah, sometimes it's a Stanford business school grad. Sometimes it's like just a guy that's really successfully scaled other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it depends obviously like what you're looking for and what you need that person to do. But um, there's just a lot more people, like you're saying, these secondary people in the industry that are sort of like supporting the brands.
0: You know, that's so interesting. And you're right too, because so what people forget is all these TikTokers have their own LLC, Right. They're literally multimillion dollar businesses. And look, I didn't know how to manage people when I was 18 or 21 or, you know, I didn't get good to good at it till later in life. So you can't expect an 18 year old to be able to run a multimillion dollar business and manage people and have good, you know, interpersonal relationship skills. You know, that's not something that happens when you're young. Usually it takes them a while to develop those skills.
1: Yeah, especially if you're creative and chaotic, and a lot of times you're hiring people that you have personal connections with or personal trauma with. Like the the similar to startups, like the line between work and friendship and life is just like there is no line. So I think um, yeah, just as these companies scale, they need to like develop more like that, and you see these people come in. I mean, I think agencies. Have a vested interest, like agents. You know, talent agencies have been around forever, and so I think that they have a certain level of professionalism. But, but more people are trying to build their own thing. They don't want to give twenty percent to an agency. You know, they want all the equity. And so, it's it's interesting.
0: <laughs> it's going to be a lot interesting of chaos. To See where it all heads. And I can't wait to read the book. I want a copy. I'll pay. I'll pay for a copy. I don't oh, want to.
1: Okay. <laughs> of
0: course, we got to make those sales look good. So I I, I, I think that's it. I think. I mean, unless you have anything else you want to talk about.
1: No. What else? I am mean, like, what else is happening? I've been trying to stay offline a little bit. Um,
0: yeah, right. <laughs> Which is
1: impossible. It's your
0: world, of course. I mean, how do you stay offline?
1: I know. Well, I'm not, po- I think like one thing I agreed with my editor before I leave, I was like, I'm not posting. Because once you post, you open the door for so much. And I just like, was like, I'm not, at least on Twitter. So I'm still a little bit on Instagram, on TikTok a little bit, but you know, it is so funny once you stop posting how you just don't have to worry about checking your notifications. It's kind of nice.
0: You know, actually one more thing I wanted to ask you about too. So forget all the creator stuff. What Causes are you passionate about? The first thing, not knowing you really well personally, is women in journalism. Seems like that's a big thing with Taylor Lorenz.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you want yeah. to comment on that or anything else you're passionate yeah. about?
1: Right now? I'm really focused on sort of like diversity and representation in media. Um, I think part of the reason that my beat wasn't taken seriously for so long is because it's like primarily young people, women, people of color, like. Stuff like that. And it's just like people People don't hire journalists like that. Um, they're not taken seriously. So I care a lot about that. Um, and I care I care a lot about kind of, yeah, like mental health stuff. I, I know everyone says that these days. I think any anyone that has an audience, you really realize like the toxicity and the downside of having an audience and how harmful it can be. And I think they need to like teach kids this in school. Like kids need to, like, it is really like, it's hard. It's hard. So I don't know. I wish that there was like better mental health stuff around that these, like, I wish these, I wish I've always said this and I might write about it too, but I want a universal away message. Like I want the ability to just like tap something on my phone and people will know that I'm away from my phone. I know that I can mute notifications, but that's not like letting people know I'm unavailable. I want to let people know like just leave me alone for the weekend,
0: you know? That's a good, like an out-of-office for social media.
1: Yes. And that's a good idea, actually. Remember AIM? Yeah, like the, of course. The original, so like, the, yeah. you know, you had this status, like you were on or you were away. And it's yeah. like, we, why don't we have, where did that go? Like, Because it's want always
0: that. green. We're always on. Yes. We're never off.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what good. I want to see. If Mark Zuckerberg's <laughs> listening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, all
0: those VC people with tons of money.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Well, Taylor, thank you so much. Guys, if you're watching on YouTube too, head over to the podcast. We're going to do a Q&A session if Taylor has a little more time on Green Room. Yeah. I like Spotify Green Room. They're coming after Clubhouse hard.
1: I think it's cool. I was actually, I downloaded it because of, of you and, <laughs> and I was on there today listening to some stuff. It's it's like music. Like, I yeah, I just found a lot of cool creative people. Every time I go on Clubhouse, it's just people trying to sell me like MLM marketing
0: schemes. <laughs> you know what? And I always felt less than on Clubhouse because... <laughs> Everybody has the fancy degree. Everyone has the, you know, beautiful headshot. Everyone's a guru. Everyone's a thought leader. It's like, fuck. And you go over to the Spotify green room. It's like, I live in my parents' house, but I really like the song. You know what I mean? There's like no it's pretense. So cool. I'm like, I like this.
1: Yeah, exactly. I know. Clubhouse is like literally audio LinkedIn and it's low.
0: 100%. Exactly. So,
1: I'm on the green room train. <laughs>
0: well Taylor thank you so much and I'll go live and I'll text you the link in a sec
1: perfect all right
0: well guys thank you for hopping on I just got done talking to Taylor for my YouTube channel the Tom Ward show and then we hopped over here because we want to do some Q&A's and also because I couldn't figure out how to do a zoom interview while also doing a green room interview which was a for some reason we couldn't figure that out so we figured do the interview on youtube and then come over here from some q a's so we just talked about creator economy trends that are going on you know youtubers we've interviewed so you know i'll open up to you guys um gg or malik if you want to talk raise your hand and i will bring you up They're like, we don't want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> like we're just here to listen.
1: Yeah, don't put us on the spot. <laughs> like when a teacher no, calls on you in class.
0: <laughs> no, that's, a, that's fine. There's some other things we could talk about that we didn't talk about on our interview. Let's see, what, are we talking yeah, like, oh, what did
1: we talk about? Yeah, I'm like, what did we not cover?
0: Taylor, look, I always have shit ready. So, Valkyrie, co owner of 100 Thieves and the popular streamer is killing it. She just announced a new merch line, sold out in minutes women in gaming are doing a lot better. I'm actually going to be interviewing her sooner than later. Oh, cool no way.
1: Out. I love her. I'm, I'm like, I love her. I'm getting so into Twitch lately. Like, I, I feel like that's been my, like, in the past few months, like, I've as I've been off Twitter, I'm getting, like, extremely into Twitch. Um, and not, I know Valkyrie's not on, I think she's on YouTube instead of Twitch, but, um, yeah, but I, twitched. like, count her among that, like, group of people. Um, that I just fo- I follow all of them and like watch all of their streams. I love when they do like IRL streams with each other I'm like my stream you're um, like
0: I haven't gotten into twitch because i'm just not like into gaming at all like what do you watch on there?
1: no, but there's a lot of people that do just chatting, and I will say even the gaming streams a lot of times it's just like chat it's like people talking it's just it's kind of nice like background like listening, I guess um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've found it to be entertaining. Um, I'll just like, I think I wrote about, um, Ludwig and his like streamathon. And so I started watching his videos and then like kind of just like everyone that he streams with or like is with on Instagram. I'll like follow them and like watch their streams on Twitch. And yeah, now I don't know. I've gotten very into it now.
0: (laughs) It's cool seeing women do well in there like she's straight up killing it and um you know she owns part of 100 thieves she's got her merch line so it's good to see like breakout stars like that in what was forever a male-dominated sport
1: totally i love i mean i love women gamers do not get enough uh hype i wrote a story last year about like a lot of um just the way that they were talking about Twitch and sort of like sexual harassment and they deal with a lot of, you know, it, there's a lot to deal with when you're a woman gamer, um, whether it's the gaming community or just the internet. But it's, yeah, it's really cool to see like people like Valkyrie succeed. Um, I love also just like, I, I just think I'm excited for more like women streamers in, in general. Like I feel like the just chatting vertical, even outside of gaming, um, there's a lot of interesting like commentary type People and, and, um, I love to see more women in that space. So I don't know. I thought about getting into streaming, but I'm honestly like, I, I don't know. It's, it's too high. It's too stressful. My friend Adiana does it and she's amazing. Um, what does she do? She's a singer. Follow her, Adiana Vega. Um, she's a singer. So she'll write songs. She'll sing songs and she takes requests on Twitch and she chats and, sort of has her own community there that's into her music and um it's really cool i mean i I just think it's like there's all these really interesting ways that you can use twitch outside of gaming and that's what's gotten me more into it um i just have like a crappy laptop from 2017 and so i'm like (laughs) i don't know if this thing can handle it i i streamed on my friends uh i went on my friends stream last year and it was like by the end of it like completely overheating <laughs> that was only an hour so I don't know
0: do you ever because it's funny you record on this stuff so much and I interviewed Justin Tan the Twitch guy
1: oh yeah so, speaking yeah. of Twitch
0: um, and it's funny because you know he went from kind of owning this platform for creators and now he's become a creator himself and you know he's got a youtube channel and then i'm sure you know john yushay or Yushai from instagram who yeah. has a fucking yeah. bomb job at instagram which his parents are probably going like do you have rocks in your head to go pursue being a creator you know he had the job that everybody <laughs> really wants to have but he left to have a job that more people want to have. You know, do you, did you ever think of like, hey, I can do this, or I'd like to get into this? Problem.
1: No, not as my job. Not as my job. I um, only I think because I kind of know too much about the struggles. And maybe you feel this way too, Tom. Like I, I feel like it, just covering the industry, like it's just, I know how much work goes into it. That's why I'm not a sub stacker. Like it's just, there's so much work that goes into building and maintaining an audience. And I, and I also, I like big brands. Like I want to see the New York Times succeed, you know, like I really, I, it's mm-hmm. kind of, it makes me sad that a lot of these, um, you know, legacy media brands are losing relevance and I I want to help them and change them and kind of like get them up with everything. And so uh, that's just my personal, like, of things I want to accomplish my career but I don't know it's also yeah it's just mostly so much work I'm like oh do I really want to be a streamer and sit in front of my computer 11 hours a day I guess I do that That now already but
0: (laughs) (laughs) what's your process because you do sit there and you're writing and researching a lot like what is Taylor Lorenz's process like starting with do you listen to music you know when you're writing and if so what do you listen to
1: Uh, I don't listen to music when I'm writing. I do listen to, um, there's this newsletter, flowstate.fm, which has like great kind of like, it sends daily recommendations of, of working, sort of like good music to work to that doesn't have, um, words. So I'll listen to that sometimes, but mostly I, um, I kind of just like am in my bed all day and I work from bed and I (laughs) write and I, or I'm interviewing. I'm either like interviewing, writing, or like consuming content on the internet and I'm, I don't really out much. Like I don't, I really don't like, I'm not into like the social scene of any of it. I, I just kind of don't, people message me a lot. Um, actually someone was just messaging me today, like, are you going to vid summit or whatever? And I'm like, no, I just, I kind of just, um, don't, I don't really like participate in that side of it very much. I'm not very out and about, but I'm very online and
0: on the phone. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you're in LA now, right? <laughs>
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you could easily, I mean, kind of flex your muscle in this and get invited to every event, go to every conference, and you can go to every, you know, you can go to every YouTuber boxing event if that was something you wanted to do. I know. But you don't take advantage know. of any of the perks?
1: I don't get it. I don't, I get invited to everything, and especially now at the New York Times, but, um, I just don't I don't know that i when I was younger I would go to all those events and sometimes they can be good for sourcing but i i don't I don't have like i yeah I really don't I don't go out that much i I kind of just like I, yeah, I conserve my energy and just kind of like I'm like uh I don't need to go to like a youtuber party like and and I think it also like makes people makes you seem a little more unavailable in some ways like I think people want to talk to you when they don't feel like they have immediate access to you um So yeah, I keep the bar up a little bit. Jelani's in here, though. He's seen me out and about in New York, I think. Uh, When I was back in July, I met up with a bunch of friends. But yeah.
0: You know, um, it's funny. I was just looking at Instagram to see if anyone DM'd about the room. And it's funny. Let me find the account. It was... Hold on a sec. Let me pull it up. I was cracking up. Taylor Lorenz Lover's account started following me. Look at you. Oh, look wow. At the look account. at you. You've made
1: it. I made it. <laughs> that account that, has a really, has an, like, I'm so bad at keeping track of like my presence on the, like my digital presence online. Like, I just like, I'll do all these interviews and then like forget about it. And somebody um was telling me actually, when I was sell- trying to sell my book, they were like, you should have a sizzle reel. Like you should get all of your clips together from all the big interviews. You do TV interviews and like have a sizzle reel and like have a YouTube channel and like have a place where people can like see what you do. And anyway, I'm really bad at all of that. And I-, I can never remember like what I did even yesterday. And I appreciate that this account has been able to unearth all of these old interviews where i'm like where where did that come from i forgot i did that like i need to clip that and put that somewhere so yeah shout out to to that account which has been very helpful and nice and i feel very honored uh that anybody would have anything like that about me so it's very it's very nice that they spend time and did that
0: it's pretty cool because you're kind of more of a behind the scenes kind of operator to, yes. to have your own fan account is pretty cool.
1: It's very, it's very funny. I thought it was like one of my family members trolling me um, <laughs> because I didn't realize that there was like a picture of myself when I was younger online. Uh, there's like a couple of them, but I just didn't realize it. And so I, and they shared an old photo of me and I was like, this must be like my mother or my sister, like fucking with me, but it's not. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's funny, but yeah, it's cool. The internet's a weird place. I do have some fans on WikiFeet or whatever. People were reviewing my feet there for a
0: minute. Are you serious?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. People were taking pictures of my feet and uploading it and rating them and stuff.
0: Did you get good ratings?
1: <laughs> well, I was dying because I had not good ratings and then someone uploaded <laughs> more photos of my feet and then my my it, it bumped up. I think I have like good feet now or something. Um, <laughs> oh i see oh wait i see another legendary journalist in here we have amanda pirelli amanda we were talking about your amanda coverage. pirelli May, we were One talking of the about greats. your coverage before how much we love your work <laughs>
0: Amanda, when we were talking before, we did the interview on YouTube before this, but we we're just talking about like the business and stuff. And I was just giving you guys a shout out. First, I was saying I'm too, I don't read any of the content because I'm too cheap to cough up the $12 to subscribe to Business Insider, but wow. the headlines look incredible. Let me say that.
1: You got to get our newsletter and stuff. I, yeah, Insider, Business Insider kill it. and Insider, I, I can't compete. Yeah, it's. They're always doing stuff. Oh she said I don't know how to use this, but thank you. <laughs>
0: oh Amanda, hop, raise your hand. This is kind of new.
1: Raise your hands and come up.
0: I'll um, um, invite
1: you up. Amanda, I saw you were covering Vid Summit. We were also mentioning that earlier and how I'm I've been a hermit and not going there's I think there's code conference as well right now, which is like a big tech conference that one of my colleagues is at and People were like, are you at code? Are you at code? Like Elon Musk is here. And I'm like, no, I'm not at code. Like I'm at home in my bed, like trying to write a thousand words for my book. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not anywhere. Um
0: Well, well, look, guys, me and Taylor's probably tired of talking to me by now because we've been we've been chatting for over an hour. So you've got her here. If you want to talk, just raise your hand and I'll bring you up. And we've really talked, I'm sure. I mean, we've talked about feet, we've talked about your fan accounts. We've <laughs> talked about uh terrible influencers that we've interviewed. I mean, we've covered a lot, but you know, I'm sure Taylor will talk about whatever you want.
1: Yeah, I'll answer anyone's Companies. questions. If anyone has any. It's funny, I like a lot of people DM me all day long, like the most random stuff, and people are constantly sending me these DMs like just questions or want, and so I try to answer, but I can never answer all of them. And then I do like a and A or like a live stream, and then no one comes. And I'm like, what? What? Where is ever? Where are all my question askers on Instagram? But I think Instagram's hard because people don't see it until a couple hours later a lot of the time.
0: True. So, what's your okay? Which? What do people? First of all, do you get hit up for story story pitches like?
1: Oh yeah. I'm sure Amanda experiences this too all day long. It's it's people like PR people or people being like, write about me. One thing that's so funny, and I wrote about this a while ago on Substack, but like, I hate the narrative of, and I've written these sort of stories too, but it's like, so many people pitch you and their narrative is like how I went from zero followers to X followers. And that's like, then they use like... The follower growth is like the sole like narrative about themselves for their career. And it's like the worst way to pitch <laughs> someone because it's like, okay, cool, but like, why should I care? If you got a hundred thousand followers. Um, I get it's an achievement, but so if you pitch me, tell me more than just your follower count. Um, how many,
0: well okay, of all the pitches you get, how many, can you count them on like one hand? How many you accepted or like, do you?
1: I don't write stories off pitches ever, actually, as a practice. Um, I have that in my, I used to have it in my bio, but, um, I've, I can count the number of times I've written a story off a pitch on one hand. Um, only because there's so, it's not that there aren't great stories to write on pitches. Like, if I had more time, I would, when I was an editor and I would assign stories, I would assign stories off pitches all the time. I just, like, have no, especially at the New York Times where everything is so slowed down and I only file, like, once or twice a week like there's just not that much bandwidth and i already have like stories that i want to write and so it's it's rare i mean i guess the stories that i write off pitches i will say are like the exclusives or like instagram's announcing a new feature or something but in terms of like um like pitches not from like the main tech companies i almost never take them because they're usually like awful. Less, I, yeah they're bad or it's just they're so self-promotional they're so and i'm like if you want to work with a reporter like Message me something useful. Like don't just start promoting your, you know, don't just like come into my DMs like asking me for something like immediately. And um but I also think just like, you know, people have their like lists and I know that they're just DMing everyone and spamming everyone. And so You're
0: not special? No,
1: <laughs> they're like giving up every reporter
0: ever. Um, Same message, copy paste.
1: Oh yeah, I, I got a Cat Ten Barge one once, um, which I think I sent to her. <laughs> I
0: was like, "Oh, she's great too."
1: Copy and pasted. Yeah, she's incredible. Everyone at Inside. Shout out, really good. Um,
0: Oh. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, the one thing we didn't talk about is short-form content. Now, you know, I've got a guy who has a YouTube channel. It's like enough already. How many platforms want 20-second clips, right? Now, now you've got to post oh, TikTok. <laughs> you've got to post shorts. you got to post reels. I mean, like, when does it stop? What do you think of, like, the the need for that short-form content?
1: I know. The, I don't know about YouTube shorts for you, but there's the most like insane weird content on there. I wanted to write a little bit about that, but it's such a backwater for like, there's just a lot of weird content on there in a way that I don't think is on reels or maybe it's just not surfaced to me on reels. Um, but not even weird in like an entertaining way, like just kind of bad. Um, I don't know if that's just my algorithm, but yeah, it's, I mean, I think everyone's just making stuff on TikTok and repurposing it elsewhere, mostly. I mean, I don't know, posting on shorts is like obviously a really good way to grow. Like anytime you, same with reels, right? Like anytime you like embrace Mm -hmm. one of these features, that's why you're doing it. It's because you're growing or because you're working with the platform, but it kind of reminds me of stories. You know, Tom, I'm sure you remember like in 2016, 2017, when like everything was about stories and like you saw all of these apps like clone stories and it was this dominant format for a while. And mm-hmm. then it kind of like, I mean, I think Instagram ended up really dominating. Obviously Snapchat's still a thing, but, um, y- you know, then the stories will like, no one, I mean, Twitter was so late and launch fleets like last year. But like, I think like, there's a fatigue. Um, and people kind of find their niche and find their primary platform.
0: For sure. And the one thing the other guys can't do is TikTok's got the algorithm figured out. Exactly. TikTok knows exactly what I want and serves up, you know, that content nonstop. And even if I like kind of deviate and I'm watching like basketball highlight videos, like two videos, all of a sudden like they'll know who my favorite player is like and i didn't even watch one of their videos it's like how do they even know that like they're so spot on it's scary
1: i know it is kind of crazy it it is really amazing my qualm with all of this is like i being on video i feel like it's just a higher bar and i i don't know i'm lazy i i don't like filming tiktoks i feel stressed out i don't like myself on camera so <laughs> i'm like oh every time i film one i get stressed out um but It's fun.
0: Well, Malik, we got you up here, buddy. You got a question for Taylor? Actually, full disclosure, I'm Taylor Lauren's Lover, so I run the account. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Ah, Nice.
1: It's so nice. I'm so honored, truly, by the account. It's the nicest thing anyone has made for me, I think. So I really thank you. (laughs)
0: I'm just wondering, were you, uh, uh, like, surprised by the response Facebook's taking with uh, Facebook files? Like, you were, like, really being really aggressive against Wall Street.
1: Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I think my colleague Ryan Ryan Mack wrote about this Um and it's, it, you know, he's a really good Facebook reporter, but um it is, it is incredible that the company has taken such a like combative tone. Like normally these tech companies have, have I mean, that's part of what Ryan was writing about is like, you know, these companies were used to be so apologetic and now they're really like, kind of like fuck you guys and like mocking it and not taking it seriously and i think trying to dismiss it and i think that actually it kind of reminds me a lot of like the content creator world like that strategy of pr i mean obviously it was very like trump trump's sort of like the way that trump reacted things but it's also very much like the way that like big youtubers react where it's like dismissiveness it's like it's that kind of just like blazing ahead and apologizing never um or like never sincerely and just kind of going i don't know all in on your fans i guess like i think they're kind of figuring like look certain media will never you know be deferential to us so why should we work with them it's like it's it's definitely more hostile um their response than and, and not necessarily openly hostile but definitely less like yeah deferential i think it was like nick clegg or andy stone one of their comms people was like fighting on twitter about it and uh yeah I don't know. It's kind of it's kinda of crazy. It's Facebook is is such an interesting company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can but- I answer your question? I don't even know. <laughs> I haven't been super on Twitter, so I'm not like totally plugged into all the discourse, but I was talking to Ryan about it a little bit, and that's my understanding.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right, see ya.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you have any other questions? I'm like, did I answer that right? I think I, hopefully I answered it well, but um, yeah. What did you think of it as a, I mean, what did you think of the Facebook files?
0: It was interesting. I was listening to, what's it, the journal, Wall Street Journal as a podcast. So they, yeah, four parts, so yeah. it just, uh, it was like crazy. This is like very combative about like, I guess, like we don't like, we don't shape teens. I like, have a 14 year old sister who's on, just our Instagram account. So I'm a little worried about her
1: yeah the wall street journal podcast is really good i've been listening to it too they do it like in partnership with gimlet and it's really well done i listen to it like every day i listen to the daily too
0: all these people are just starting a podcast or i was they're just starting a podcast the post uh wall street journal npr bbc it's like i like it but nobody's like uh, has the voice as michael mabara though like
1: it's true. He cannot be. He cannot be replaced. <laughs> I still listen to the daily every morning, first thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I listen to a lot. I think in LA, you end up listening to a lot of podcasts because you got to drive all over.
0: Truth, Taylor. That's. A, I was going to ask you that before too. So why don't you have a podcast? Like you're perfect for this. I mean.
1: Haha, ha, good question, Tom. <laughs> is
0: there, is there one coming um, or is there? Do you there
1: remember one... when I had a podcast? I had a podcast no. several years ago called Like and Subscribe that was so bad and no one should ever listen to it. It was so <laughs> stupid. It was just me and my friend Julia talking about YouTubers. Um, but so we, yeah, we had Like and Subscribe, but it, it, it's actually currently rated like one star on iTunes. I'll be... <laughs> it's like the worst podcast ever made. But, um, I love, I go on podcasts all the time. I love audio. Like, Kind of like I was saying, I I'm like kind of in bed all day and I'm not like a video person, but I will talk. I can I audio is like much more of a compelling format. Um New York Times is very like political in terms of who gets to do podcasting. So uh, I've oh, not I been you. tapped to do that yet, but it would be cool to do. I mean, my dream podcast is not even like an official New York Times podcast. Like honestly, I would just love to like do one with my friend and kind of like I don't know. Get into some of the stuff that I write about, but in a deeper way.
0: Are you like as part of your contract? Are you allowed to just have the Taylor and her friend podcast, or do you like does the, the New York Times have to approve if you like do one?
1: I don't know, but once I finish this book, I'm going to like get into the podcasting world somehow. So st- stay tuned. I actually have no idea what the actual rules are, but. I'm going to do it. I'm, as soon as I get the book, like the book is like something I have to finish. And if my editor saw me launching a podcast while I didn't and in my draft <laughs> yet, I think she would be very mad. But once I, yeah, maybe Q1 of uh, 2022, watch this space. <laughs>
0: Do you know, I mean, the amount of money that podcasters make is, just to give you a number and the people here who, who don't know, like I don't even promote my podcast because I get brand deals on YouTube. So I want people to go to YouTube and I just post the audio, just why not as a podcast. So I don't. I,
1: oh, Tom, I stopped being able to hear you. Can anyone else oh, hear him? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I can't hear Tom anymore. <laughs> okay. Let me put it in the chat. Yeah. I hear
0: you anymore. Uh-oh. Hello? Uh,
1: I don't know if you guys can hear me. Oh, you can hear Tom. Guys, I don't know what's going on. I also see two of myself up here now. Oh,
0: no. You, I've seen two of you the whole time. I'm not sure why that is. But you can hear me probably. <laughs> i probably <was> saying that. <laughs> Oh, that's weird.
1: Uh guys, might be time to uh call it a uh day on Spotify Green Room. Um <laughs> the wrap. I don't know what? what's going on. I don't even know if you guys can hear me.
0: Yeah, we should probably end it anyway, Carol. I've taken up enough of your time, but thanks so much for doing this. I really had a good time.
1: This was fun. Thanks for chatting. I'm honored. I love your, you know. You got, you're always prepared with the questions and everything so it's, gr- it's a great chat and so nice to chat chat with you um, mal I hope I'm saying your name right Malik um, I was so great to chat and Amanda see your face and everyone else in